0: And anytime uh, anytime we uh, uh, come to church, I think that's an appropriate thing for us to ask ourselves. Amen? And then ask the Lord and ask Him to take the preaching of His Word and help our hearts be right Amen. with Him. Amen? By the way, folks, that's why we attend here. That's why we preach the Word of God. Hey, none of us have arrived, right? None of us are where we ought to be yet. We're still taking the steps to be like our Savior. And so, you know what? Let's take those steps. Let's allow God to speak to us to the preaching of His Word and make us better for Him. Amen? And I pray that that will happen today through today's message. If you find your place, stand with me. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. As we continue uh, to preach through uh, what the banner says behind me uh, about overcoming the world. That's all right. Go ahead and stand. Amen? A little confusion there on that. And I do apologize. Uh, but uh, Romans chapter 12. And uh notice verse 21, and this is the verse that we've been preaching about. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And then the whole chapter is the practical steps on how to overcome evil. And we're going to pick it up today in verse 9. Uh, verse 9, and we'll read down through verse 15. The Bible says this: let love be without simulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not, rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Let's pray, Lord, we do love you today, we thank you for the opportunity to be here in your house, and Lord, we ask that you'd help us today, Lord, we need to meet, we need to hear from you we need you to meet with us and i pray holy spirit of god you'd be active in our midst i pray that you would do the work that only you can do and lord that is the work of the heart and lord bless us we pray and we thank you for it we ask it in jesus name thank you you may be seated Again, how to overcome evil. And we uh, we've uh, I'm not going to go back and review everything that I've taught and uh, everything we've preached on through chapter 12, but we've covered all the way so far down through verse 12. And just the practical steps of what it means to live a Christian life that overcomes. And by the way, folks, listen to me. Uh, we, we must make the choice to overcome. By the way, you know what? Evil can overcome us. That's what the Bible says in verse 21. Be not overcome of evil. That word overcome means to give. The victory it means to prevail over, and if we're not careful, if we're not uh, taking the proper steps, uh, evil can overcome us. I'm not saying it's going it to can steal your salvation. Praise the Lord! It can, Amen. And uh, but I can tell you this: if uh, it can make us ineffective for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ, but God says, "Listen, I don't want evil to have victory over you. I want you to have victory over evil, Amen. I want you to overcome. And listen to me: because of what God's equipped us with, because of the fact that uh, He has saved us, He's put the Holy Spirit in us, He's given us His Word, there's no reason we're not overcoming as Christians. There's no reason whatsoever. If we're not overcoming, it's not on God, it's on us, amen? And so what I'm trying to do here through this, this passage is give you the practical steps on how to overcome evil. By the way, the Bible is a practical book. Amen. It's not just there to fill our heart, uh, fill our heads with a bunch of stuff. uh, You know, knowledge puffeth up so we can walk around and, and supposedly know all this. No, God gives us the knowledge so we can put it to practice in the practical application of wisdom. Amen. And live it out. And so that's what we're looking at—the practical steps on how to overcome evil. So we're going to look today, Lord willing, at verses 13 through 15. Let's get right into it. Amen. Here's the first thing we see. The next, uh, the next thing on the list. The first thing of today's message, verse 13. Notice what it says: distributing to the necessity of saints. Distributing to the necessity of saints. Here's what that simply means. If you break it down, it means to be to have a generous attitude toward God's people. A. Gen- attitude to God's people. Now, first of all, let me tell you what this verse is not saying. Amen? This verse is not saying that somebody else owes you a living. Amen? Let me just stop and park there for just a minute, alright? The Bible is not saying that somebody else owes you a living. In fact, God's pretty clear all throughout the Scripture that His plan for provision is labor. Amen? Amen? Is labor. Proverbs chapter 6. If you've been reading through the proverb of the day, you read this chapter this week. Proverbs chapter 6. Let me just read a few verses to you here. It says this in verse 6 of, of, of chapter 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? Whom wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that trevelleth, and thy want as an armed man. And listen, uh, uh, for the most part, I can say this with with strong confidence, we're sitting in a church of hard-working people. Amen? Listen, you shake hands around here, you know what you're going to shake? You're going to shake make hands that have calluses on them. Amen? Because you got a bunch of hard-working men and women in this church that are teaching their children to be hard-working. But let me just say, uh, j- just keep this in mind, uh, j- Just, just a reminder that nobody owes you a living. Amen? Listen, the Bible's clear on that. God expects us. In fact, here's what he says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any should not work, and if any would not work, neither should he eat. Amen. And so it's our job to provide. It's our job uh, for God to help us take care of our families through labor. This verse also is not saying that it's the church's responsibility to make your way in life. That's not what it's saying. That's not what the church is here for. Amen? First, uh, uh Timothy chapter 5, the Bible gives some instruction here. It says this, Honor widows that are widows indeed, but if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show uh, piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Listen, it doesn't mean that there's not a time uh, for the church to help those that are, as the Bible says, widows indeed. Amen? We do have responsibilities, but that's not the first line of help. The first line of help, it's very clear on that, is for them to be taken care of by family. Amen? So, folks, let me just say, although the church is here to help and to assist, it's not the church's responsibility to make your way in life. Amen? Listen, the finances that come to the church... By the way, a church doesn't make money, it collects money. Right? This is not a, uh, a capitalistic uh, endeavor here, Okay? We collect money from those that are out hard working. Why? So we can do the work of the Lord. That's why. So we can do what we're going to do this week out at the Gibson County Fair and uh, have that booth out there and uh, give out popsicles and balloons along with those gospel tracts and a witness and a testimony for the for the Lord Jesus Christ so we can take the, the money and support missionaries like we do. And listen, folks, the church is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And so we need to understand that, what this verse is not saying. Now, let's get right into it. What is the verse saying? Okay, When it says, distributing to the necessity of saints. Here's what he's saying. Being willing to meet the needs of others as God brings them across your path. Notice what it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. This is an interesting verse. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Amen? I'm going to tell you. You know what God will do? He'll bring people across across your path that have genuine needs. And by the way, when He does, and you know what? We ought to be able to help support those needs. We ought to be generous with things in our life. You know we ought to be generous with our time? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 and 15, here's what the Apostle Paul said, Behold, the third time I'm ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly, listen to this, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, through the more, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved." And you know what Paul was saying? Listen, I gladly give of myself, of my life for you. Even if you don't appreciate it, here's what he's saying. I gladly do it for you. And let me say this, folks. You know what uh, the ministry is and being involved in ministry, and I'm not just talking about the job of a preacher. I'm talking about the job of Christians. You know what you got to give? you got to give of you. And by the way, you know how you give of you? You give of your time. You give of your time. Listen, folks, we cannot be selfish with our time. Understand, listen, I get it. We all, we, we have to live life. We have to do the things we do. But we must live a balanced life with our time. By the way, you know what? We can still have time for our family and have time for God. Amen? You don't have to choose between the two. By the way, here's a good idea. Why don't you get your family together and serve God with your family? Amen? Listen, we need to be generous. And uh, God will bring people across your path that needs help. You know what? Listen, don't be so selfish with your time that you can't take a few hours or take an afternoon or take an evening and go help somebody that needs some help. Amen? Listen, we need to be generous with that. And again, I understand, folks, there's a balance to it all. You know what? We need to live by schedule. I understand that. But listen to me. My schedule's not my God. You know what God's going to do sometimes? Interrupt our schedules. And by the way... It's okay because he's God. To come alongside and say, you know what, I know you had that plan, but guess what? Somebody needs you. Forget what you planned, go do what I planned, son, daughter, amen. Right? We need to be generous with that. Here's what I, here's the, here's the statement I, I make. If I'm too busy for people, then I'm just too busy you know that's true for a pastor, but that's also true for other Christians, amen? The fact that if somebody needs us, we ought to be there for them. And so we ought to be generous with our time. How about this? We ought to be generous with our talents, with our talents. You know, God has blessed you with abilities in this life. And by the way, why did God give you those things? Uh, did He give them to you for your personal benefit? Sure, absolutely, you can benefit off those. Let me just say this, it's not just for your personal benefit, it's for His benefit, Amen? I love these verses in the Old Testament. Talks about uh, let me just read them to you. Exodus chapter twenty-eight, and of course this is God giving instruction to Moses for the construction of the tabernacle and the other things there. And take thou to thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him, for among the children of Israel that he may minister unto me in the priest office. Even Nerib, uh I'm sorry, Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar, Ithmar, Aaron's sons. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. Okay, so God says, look. I'm going to take Aaron, I'm going to take his sons, and I'm going to set him aside to be priest. And you know what? Because they're working for me, and they're involved in my business, they need to look like they're part of my business. Amen? By the way, I think a preacher ought to look like a preacher. Amen? That's why you're... By the way, whether I'm a preacher or not, you'd never see me in a pair of skinny jeans. I can tell you that right now. Amen? That would never happen. Alright? I know they say never say never. I'm never saying never on that one. Alright. Unless they happen to do that to me when I'm laid in my casket. That has not happened under my power. But listen to me. That's why as a preacher, I respect this office. And you know what? I try to look like the fact that I respect this office. I think preachers ought to respect the office God's called them to. Amen? Listen folks, I'm nothing special, but this office is something special. And you know what? If God commanded for Aaron back then, he commands it for, I believe, for preachers today. These preachers treat church like it's just, you know, some casual nightclub. They show up in these casual, you know, uh, outfits and jeans and shirts unbuttoned and a pair of sandals and just gonna chill with God's people. Listen, that's not why we're here this morning. Amen. We're here to hear the preaching of the Word of God. And you know what? God commanded holy garments be made for Aaron because he would, they were gonna serve him in a special capacity. But notice here, and this is where I'm going with that thought. That was a rabbit trail. Amen. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted whom I have filled with the Spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. You know what God said to Moses? Look, I have made people, I have filled them with wisdom to use their talents to make these garments I want made. And by the way, for sake of time, I'm not going to read all the Scripture, but that's exactly what happened. Amen? There were people that had talents for, for making clothes. And God said, I, you, I want you to, uh, th- those people, I want you to recruit them. I, I, I've called them and I want them to make those garments. And by the way, you see that all throughout the construction of the tabernacle. Uh, uh, Exodus chapter 31. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, See, I have called thee by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the, the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and in knowledge. Listen, and in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works to work in gold and silver silver and brass, and in cutting of stones, and to set them, and in a carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, I have given with him a Holiad, the son of Hashmach, the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all that are wise hearted I put wisdom, that they may make all that I have commanded thee. I want you to think about what those verses just said. God filled men with his spirit to do what? The construction work of the tabernacle. Don't tell me it's not important for every single Christian to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, folks, in our minds, we think, well, if I'm going to go soul winning, I need the Spirit of God. Yeah, you do need the Spirit of God to go soul winning. Hey, if I'm going to work at the fair, I need need to be filled. Yes, you do need to be filled with the Spirit of God. But hey, when we show up for a work day, we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. I'm going to tell you, God gives talents to people to do certain things. Man, we are blessed with a talented church here. There's men in this church and women in this church that can do things and make things. I mean, you know, from from the decorating of the church, of the building, uh, to the construction work here, to what can happen, to things you see, things you don't see. And you know what that is, folks? That is God's people taking their talents, being generous with those talents. Never, ever, ever get stingy with your talents for God. There's a few times a year where, where uh, me and my sons, we we go and we contribute the talents God has blessed us with to help a ministry someplace. And we'll go to a camp or we'll go to a church and we'll donate our time, we'll donate our labor to take those talents, God's... Listen, I believe we ought to tithe of our talents, amen? And we tithe them to God in His work. Hey, be generous in those types of things. Generous with our time, generous with our talents. How about this? Generous with our treasure, Generous with our treasure. And of course, that is the things God gives us to be a blessing to others. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. There's too much Scripture to even cover this uh, the way it needs to be covered this morning. I'll just give you a couple of them. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let him that stole, still no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Proverbs 19, 17. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 1. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. You know what God's saying? Listen, when I, when, when I uh, bring someone across your path that has a financial need, you take care of that and I'll take care of you. Amen. That's what God's saying. And by the way, folks, listen to me. That's why we need to be wise with our money. Because let me just say this. Every penny that God allows us uh, to have in life isn't just as be spent upon ourselves. You know, God wants us to be wise with it so we can have an abundance. So then you know what? As God brings people across their path, we can help him. By the way, again, I'm big on this. I'm not just talking about and here's kind of my my philosophy on that. I'm not looking for handouts, I'm looking for hand ups. Amen. And by the way, not everybody that asks, I give. Some people, you know what? They're master manipulators. Their name's Jimmy. They'll take all you give me. Amen? And that's not what it's about either. we got to be wise stewards of what God gives us. But you know what I do? Here's my rule. If I'm going to err, I'm going to err on the side of compassion. And you know what? Even if I get taken advantage of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow uh, myself and uh, to try to be compassionate. And you know what? I'm, I tell you it's true. God always takes care of me and my family. And I believe that's part of the reason why. Amen? So listen, be generous. Be generous. Man, what a command. What a way to overcome evil. Amen? A generous attitude toward God's people. Number two, notice what else he says at the end of verse 13. This simple three-word phrase, given to hospitality. Given to hospitality. Now, just a minute here. I gotta take a time out. I gotta hit the powerful button. I'm getting warm up here. Amen. All right. Given to hospitality. What's that word? Uh, that word given, it means to pursue. It means to actively go after. Hospitality is the act or practice of receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward or with the, or with kind and generous liberality. It particularly is dealing with here this idea of being kind to strangers. Amen? Kind to strangers. And again, you find this all throughout the Scripture. For sake of time, I don't have time to go to all of it. But one of the uh, famous passages of that is in Genesis chapter 18. Listen as I read a few verses here. And the Lord appeared unto him, Abraham, in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. That's a good place to be in the heat of the day. Amen? <laughs> Sitting inside uh, in the shade. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, now notice this, three men. He didn't know who this was. He just saw three people that was there on his property. He ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant let a little water, I pray, you be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. And after that, you shall pass on, for therefore are you come to your servant. And they said, Go, do as thou hast said. Notice the hospitality here to Abraham. Now, I think Abraham may have had an idea who this was, but you know what he saw? He saw, hey, here's some people who uh, they, they just showed up. They're, they're 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 traveling. Guess what? They need to rest. They need to drink. They need to eat. And he took it upon himself before they even asked to do something about the needs they had. And Abram hastened into the tent of Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal. Knead it. Make cakes upon the earth. By the way, ladies, you know what? Uh, your husbands aren't the only one that may do this to you from time to time, right? Papa, you know, just say, hey, so-and-so's coming. They're almost here. Can you, do, can you do, take, take care of it for me? Yeah. By the way, you don't see Sarah copping an attitude with Abraham. How dare you, Abe? You know what kind of day I've had? You know how hard it is out here living in this tent, traveling from place to place? You know how long it's going to take me to do that? No, you know what? Her husband asked her to do something. She did it. Amen? And uh, again, just a, 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 a good biblical example here of Abraham and Sarah, and good examples they are as husband and wife. And Abraham ran into the herd and fetched a calf, tender and good. By the way, Abraham didn't go with the gnarliest looking cow that was about ready to die. No, you know what he got? He got his best. By the way, that calf, had it grown up, could have been more, uh, probably uh, would have provided more for Abraham. But he knew the calf was the most tender. It was the best. And so he took his best and then took it to a young man and he hastened to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed. You getting hungry yet? Amen? All right? Butter, milk, a calf. Sounds like a big old Thanksgiving feast. Amen? And minus the turkey, I guess. All right? They had beef for dinner and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. Man, you talk about a a, a sign of hospitality here. Now, was it no wonder Abraham was called the friend of God? Amen? Just the fact that this, this attitude he had toward people, toward God, Now, there's a very interesting verse in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 2. Again, hospitality has to do with strangers. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained uh, angels unawares. Let me tell you what I believe, folks. I believe that God tests people in this area to test whether or not... You know, it's easy sometimes to be nice and kind and hospitable to people you know. Okay? By the way, it doesn't really take much Christianity to do that. Okay? I mean, if I know you and, you know, I've got to know you and we're friends and we have a lot in common, no big deal. Let, let's sit down, let's break bread, let's have a good time together. But what if it's somebody you don't know? Okay? And God says, listen, you better be careful. You be careful to entertain strangers because some people have entertained angels and didn't even know it. Angels unawares. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe from time to time, and I, we have no idea if God does this or doesn't do this. This is between God and, and that person if it happens to be an angel. but I believe that sometimes God will test His church to see how well they're entertained strangers. Now I've given this illustration before. Most of you have probably heard it, but if you have, act like you haven't. Amen. All right? But I remember one time when we first started the church, there was a guy that showed up here. And in fact, I've searched through the records, I found the visitor card. All right? The date was 6:1817. All right, so uh, uh, o- over uh, six years ago, all right, or five years ago, this man showed up. And uh, here's what's his name, all right? Here's what the card says. I'll just read it to you. Winter Barry Eugene Oglesby. That was his name. He had, he, I remember he had three three first names. And he came in here, and it happened to be a rainy Sunday morning. And he came in here, address, homeless. Okay, how'd you hear about White River Baptist Church? Walk by. Are you a member of another church? No. That's all the information I got out of him. And he came in here, and of course, as soon as he came in, and, and uh, we offered him some coffee and sat. And, and what was interesting about this guy was, first of all, uh, you know, he, he didn't really have a very clear story. Sometimes I try to get to know people, and it was, it, he, he did have a story, but it was kind of vague, not a lot of details. Okay, uh, For being a homeless guy, he had very good hygiene. And sometimes that's not the case with homeless people. I'm not, I'm not down on that. It's just the case, right? I mean, if you don't have a home to live in, your hygiene's probably not the greatest. So he had, he, 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 did, he had good hygiene. He was very respectful. He never asked for anything. Never asked for anything. And so he came that Sunday, and I believe he came one other service. And we tried to, uh, or I, I told him, I said, man, look, look, I'll try to help you find a job. He's like, well, I don't have a phone. I said, okay. So we went and bought him a phone, one of those, uh, you know, uh, monthly phones. And uh, bought, bought him a phone and, and tried to make arrangements to help him a little bit. And uh, one day uh, or he, he, after the service, and I, I, you know, can I take you, get you something to eat? He said, no, I'm fine. And I said, Well, can I take you somewhere? He said, Yeah, if you just want to take me back out where I'm staying, that'd be fine. Brother Dave, actually, I believe, took him, dropped him off someplace at the edge of town where he wanted to be dropped off, at, and that was it, never saw the guy again. Now, could he have been a homeless transient? Sure. But very odd. I tried calling the phone number, never went, just, 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 uh, uh, never even went to, uh, anything, just rang and went dead. And now, listen, I'm not saying Winterberry Eugene Oglesby was an angel, but he could have been. Right? And by the way, whether he wasn't was or wasn't, God was still watching how we treated him. Right. Right? And by the way, God sees how we treat everybody that walks through that door. Amen. And by the way, we want to keep God's blessing upon this church. We better treat everybody like they were an angel. Amen. And I understand most people aren't, but you never know if there could be. Right? By the way, you don't even know who you've ever crossed paths with before. That could or couldn't have been an angel. Amen? So all I'm saying is this, folks. We need to be given to hospitality. And I think God put that verse in there as motivation so that if we understood that from time to time God could be sending one of His very angels down to check up on us, that maybe it would make us treat every single person the way God would want for us to. Amen? By the way, you know how you're going to overcome evil? By be given to hospitality. By the way, that's exactly opposite of how the world treats people. The world will treat people good if they can get something from them, right? But no, that's not how we Christians ought to be treating people. And listen, folks, understand, have wisdom, okay? If somebody comes and knocks on my door at midnight, I'm not just going to open the door and let them in, all right? They're probably going to get eaten by my German shepherds before they even get to my door, okay? That's why I have two German shepherds on my property, by the way, all right? No, listen, folks, I'm, I'm not saying don't use common sense, okay? I would not recommend you picking up hitchhikers, okay? Probably not a good thing to do. Alright. So, I, again, you, you gotta, you gotta use wisdom here. But I'm gonna tell you, sometime, by the way, it's very interesting. Most of the time, God sends them to us. Amen? And so just be very careful and be given to hospitality. Let's, let's look at the next verse here, verse 14. Notice what he says. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Here's the third thing we see as far as how to overcome evil. Having the right attitude toward persecution. The right attitude toward persecution that word blessed that's used twice in that verse here's what that word means sometimes it means something different based upon how you look it up and 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 the the context it's used in here's what it means here speak well of and we know that's the context because look at what it says and curse not amen you say how in the world can i speak well of someone who is persecuting me how is that even possible listen to me humanly it's not possible That's why, as a Christian, we're not to live and think and do things humanly. We're to do things controlled by the Spirit of God. That's the only way you can bless someone that persecutes you if you're filled with the Spirit of God. By the way, the Bible uh, there in Galatians chapter 5, when it lists for us the fruits of the Spirit, it's very interesting because all of these attributes of the Spirit could apply to this exact same scenario as far as blessing someone who persecutes you. Because what are the fruits of the Spirit? Love agape, God-love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Amen? And listen to me, folks. It's so important that we take this to heart. This does not come naturally. Absolutely not. Amen? But that's why God doesn't want us to live the Christian life naturally. He wants us to live filled with the Spirit of God. You say, how can I bless someone? How about this? Why don't you bless a persecutor with the gospel? The words of the gospel. Do we not see that in Acts chapter 16 and all throughout the book of Acts? Of course, the apostle Paul is finding himself in trouble again because of his preaching. And this is the context of there, there when him and Silas are in the Philippian jail. But Paul cried into it with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are here. This is the prison, this is the the prison guard here when he was going to slay all the prisoners. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And brought them out and said, "Sirs, what must I do to be saved?" Hey, we could say that this prison, guard, this prison guard was a persecutor of Paul. Sure he was. He locked him up in the inner prison. By the way, that wasn 't a pleasant place to be. It's not like jail in America. I can tell you that. This was a horrible place to be. This was an uncomfortable place to be. And I maybe that jailer took a, and I don't know for sure, but maybe he took a little uh, little bit of uh, 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 pride in the fact that, man, i, I got these guys right where they need these rebel rousers going through here preaching this stuff. And, and maybe he was, you know, hey, look at who I am. I've got these guys in, in my prison. Man, he was a persecutor of Paul. And what did Paul do when he had the opportunity and God sent that earthquake and those chains fell off and those doors opened? You know what he said? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Let me tell you what I believe, folks, and again, I don't have time to, to uh, go through it all, but in Acts chapter 24, you see the same thing with Paul before Felix. And man, he, he had power to release Paul. In fact, we know he did, because later on, when, when he appeared before Festus in, in, the, in Felix's room, it says that Felix, to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. He was a persecutor of Paul, but man, when Paul got an audience with Felix, you know what he did? He preached the gospel to him. Folks, let me just say this, one of, the, one of the most powerful things you can do under persecution is speak the words of the gospel. I can't think of a better way to bless somebody than with the words of the gospel. Amen? How about this? Not just bless with the words of the gospel, bless with the words of prayer. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 5, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Again, how do you do that? unless you're filled with the Spirit of God. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Listen to this. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them, Luke 6.28, which despitefully use you. Listen to me, folks. If if Jesus Christ gave the command that it can be obeyed, amen, praying for those that persecute you. By the way, is that not what Jesus did when they were nailing Him to the cross? What did He say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As He was being crucified, He prayed for His persecutors. No one's ever tried to nail me to a cross before. Well, maybe uh, proverbially at least, but not real, right? No, listen to me, no one's done that to us. How about Stephen, Acts 7, 60? And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice as they were pelting him with stones. He prayed for his persecutors. Lord, lay not the sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Listen to me. You know one of the best ways you can bless someone that's persecuting you? Pray for them. Amen? By the way, tell them you're praying for them. They won't know how to take that. Amen? How about this? We can bless by putting our words to action. Proverbs twenty five twenty one. If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. If he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. Listen to me, folks. If someone is persecuting you, hey, won't you put those words to action and do exactly what the Bible said? Instead of doing something negative, do something positive. They don't know how to handle that. Amen? And so we are to have the right attitude toward persecution. And one more. Let's look at one more here as we uh, close the message down. Look at the next thing we see in Romans chapter 12, verse 15. He says this, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. You know how we can overcome evil? By responding properly to the good and bad times of others. Notice what he says. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 4. And there's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Let me tell you something, folks. Life is a roller coaster of good situations, bad situations. Okay? It's a roller coaster of laughs and tears. That's just called life. Amen? And you know what? There's going to be good seasons in life. And for the most part, I would say the majority of life is good seasons. But there's also going to be some bad seasons in life. And you know what people need when they're facing the ups and downs of life? They need people to be there for them. By the way, again, we're talking about our responsibilities to Christians here. Amen? To one another. I mean, here's a question uh, for for all of us all. Can we look at a person and be genuine and say to them that I'm happy for you? When they're going through something good? when they're By the way, maybe they're going through something good and you're not. Maybe they're on the mountain and you're in the valley. Can you still look at a person and say, when they're experiencing something good, I'm happy for you? Or is it always about us and what we're facing and how we feel? Now, come on, folks, this is biblical Christianity here. What can hinder us from obeying the Bible command of rejoicing with someone that does rejoice? i tell you what can hinder us. Jealousy, envy, covetousness. Amen? Jealousy, envy, covetousness. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. By the way, how can you rejoice with somebody or how can you weep with somebody if you're not there for them? You know, there are certain events in time that, that happen that, you know what? If, if you love somebody, you're there for them. I'll be honest with you, I'm not, you know, you know you know how it is, okay? Uh, you know, going to a wedding. That may not be your favorite thing to do, especially if the food's not going to be good, right? I mean, sometimes the consolation to go into a wedding is, man, I'm going to eat good afterwards. But that's not always the case, right? Let me just say this. If it's somebody that you love, and that that's a high point in their life, amen, you ought to be there for them. By the way, the low points, you ought to be there as well. You ought to be there for people's funerals for them and, and other times. Listen, weep with them that weep. People, especially those of us that live within the family of God, we need to be there for one another. We need to be there in the good times. We need to be there in the bad times. By the way, you want people there for you, don't you? Right? I mean, listen, if if you're having a good time uh, in life, you're hitting a high point, All right. some kind of celebration, you want somebody there for you. But guess what? You also want them there in the bad times. And if that's true for you, we ought to be there also for others. Amen? You know, when we live this way, folks, it totally flies in the face of evil and what evil does to destroy when we live this way. By the way, this is biblical Christianity. This is replicating what Jesus Christ would do if He were here distributing to the necessity of saints. That means being generous toward God's people, giving to hospitality, especially when it comes to those that are strangers, blessing those that persecute us, and then having the right responding properly to the good times and bad times of others. Now folks, listen, I gave you some very, very practical things this morning this message. Practical things. Things, by the way, usually here's what happens. When I preach something, I'm put to the test in that area, right? There's a reason God had the message when He had the message. And so let me just say this, when you're faced with those situations, this week probably, maybe even before the day's out, hey, respond properly. And by the way, when you respond properly, you know what you're doing? You're overcoming evil. Amen? Instead of evil overcoming you, you're overcoming it. And we're living on the victory side.